Welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for a very special episode. As you can see, there are three of us in the house and um, obviously no one is here to listen to Larry, but I will ask you, Larry, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thanks for the rib. Nice and early. I expected it from you, Tom, because you're the most predictable school teacher that there ever was, but that's enough said by me. No, definitely. Now, there are some legends in the chat who I'll get to, but everyone is here, obviously, for a very special reason. Um, not often we do have actual former player, former Manchester United player in the house, but um, we're honoured to have former Man United youth player Scott Wooten um, in the pub with us. How are you, mate? Yeah, all good here. Thanks. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, thanks for having me on. And yeah, I'm all good. Obviously, I'm in Sydney myself, so um, it's an amazing place. And um, yeah, no, all good. No complaints. That's the, that's the thing I want to get into in regards, and maybe this could sort of pop up later in the discussion, but we look at it and obviously very rare do we have a former Man United player playing in the A-League. Look, we're going to get into the start of your career and sort of how it started at Man United, but here we are, um, sort of not, I wouldn't say towards the end of your career, but after a good chunk of your career and you found yourself in the A-League before you get into Manchester United dealings. Um, how did that come about, the move to Wellington? Um. It came about quite quick, really, in, in January. Uh, obviously, the January transfer window things happened really quickly. But I just always had, um, I'd always had the desire in my career to, to go abroad. I didn't know where or what country or when, um, but I definitely had a desire and a and a, a, um, a passion to, to go and play abroad. Actually, Warren Joyce, who's funnily enough, a bit here, the not yeah. Forest under 18s manager, he it was is. the Melbourne City manager. He tried to sign me um, for Melbourne City four or five years ago, and it just come a bit too quick. It wasn't the right stage in my career. So, and I, I often look back and think, you know, what, what could have maybe been and stuff like that. So when this chance came, I, I just jumped at it and it was a, it was a no-brainer for me, really. But, yeah, it's, it's funny how uh, how things things work. Yeah, I only noticed that the other day that um, Warren Joyce was the Nottingham Forest coach. And um, mm -hmm. obviously we'll get into maybe one or two stories you do have. But um, there are heaps in the live chat which are very appreciative of. I won't get to everyone because we want to keep the conversation flowing. And I'll throw over to Larry and just, yeah, in regards to, we'll get into your actual United career, which is obviously we're a Man United podcast, so fly into it, yeah. Larry. Yeah, for sure. Pleasure, Tom. Scott, how did the move to United happen? Now, prerequisite, I've done a little bit of research. Am I right in saying that you actually were in the youth system at Liverpool before you actually made the move to Manchester United? Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually started at uh, Tramier Rovers, um, a small club, my local club. Um, I was there till 11 and, and then I started playing for my county, which is like my district. Um, so the equivalent of sort of like New South Wales, but on a, on a much smaller scale. Um, I started playing there and that's really, at, that was at 11 years of age. That's really when the scouts start to come and, and they're really looking at players. And I had a choice between uh, Crew Alexandra, um, Tramia, Liverpool and Man United. Um, obviously, I was already at Tramia. Um, and from where I live, which is obviously on the Wirral, a place called the Wirral. Liverpool was sort of 30 minutes away. Manchester was over an hour away and it was more of a decision um, that was taken due to with the school. And um, me travelling, studying and stuff like that for school, it just wouldn't have really worked logistically going to Manchester at such a young age of 11. However, did the scout who uh, who approached me parents at the time, every year he would keep in touch. Um, and then also I was at Liverpool from 11 to 15. And then um, got a phone call again, like I did every year. At and I wasn't really happy at the time at Liverpool. And um, as soon as the scout rang, you know, Man United, wherever we would play Man United away, there was just always something so special about going to Carrington and going to the training ground. And, you know, even though 
all the players in my team weren't always Man United fans. They could the respect and the admiration for the play. They just had an aura about it. So when that phone call came at 15 years of age, it was such an easy decision really for me to, to make. I went there for a week. Uh, trained with I was still an, only an under-16 player, so I was still at school, but I trained with the youth team. Uh, Paul McGuinness was the coach, an uh, unbelievable coach. Mm. And then had a meeting at the end of the week with, with him, Brian McClare, who was the head of the academy, and they said they wanted to sign me. And, you know, like I said earlier, it was the easiest decision they've probably ever made. Can I ask you, and I promise it's safe in here, we'll keep it a secret, but who did you support <laughs> growing up? It's fine, because uh, I was Everton, funnily enough. So um, Oh, it's safe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't mind answering that question for <laughs> no, I was never a Liverpool fan. Um just through from my dad and his dad uh, were Evertonians, so you know, you didn't really get a choice. Um but you know, people always ask me now who do you support and it, it is United because I think when you're at a football club from the ages of fifteen to twenty one, they're the ages you start going to the matches. We always we got two free tickets to the home game, so you know, we're lucky enough for for three or four years to, to go to every single home game, Old Trafford. Um, you know, they're always the first first results I look out for when I'm when I'm checking the scores. That's awesome. And and what about Sir Alex Ferguson? Did you obviously you, you would have interacted with him, you, you did make appearances in terms of the first team, but coming through, uh what exposure do does a youth player at, at an under eighteens level, for example, get to the first team, to the manager, and and if you did have that interaction, what sort of impression did it leave on you? Yeah, I'd say it's, you know, it wasn't massive. It wasn't every single day. Uh, but what I will say, is I would imagine it's a lot more than um, other youth teams were getting around the country. Um, I'd say the most interaction we would get was we would, um, as you know, for United's first team, very, very rarely did he play at three o'clock on a Saturday. You know, it's Sunday, one o'clock, four o'clock, half five Saturday, Friday night, midweek. And the youth team would always play on a Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. You know, so unless the rarity of, of Man United playing at home at 3 o'clock or away at 3 o'clock on a, on a Saturday, he would be, you know, we'd kick off at 11. First team would probably train at 10, half 10. So he would be watching that game at some point. And he just had that, you know, his big grey bubble coat, I'm sure you remember, with his grey bubble hat. You, you could, you'd could, you see it from a mile away, uh, walking over from the first team training pitches to, to the youth team. And he, he'd just stand sort of on his own in the corner watching on and, just that presence and that aura just it, it just made you up, up your game. You know, it sounds like you, you should already. Obviously, you're always playing 100 percent anyway. But it just that you know the man who he is and what he what he achieved. That standing there watching would be um, just just the tempo of the game would just raise all of a sudden. I can't really describe how what it how it makes you feel, but it definitely made a difference. And then to be fair, you know, maybe once a month, once every few weeks, he, he'd pop down to training. Again, just stand on the side, watch you go over to the youth team coach um, or the assistant coach at the time was Jim Ryan, who was his former assistant in the first team. And they'd be talking, you know, he wouldn't stop the session and say anything or anything like that. But, you know, we did have, for what I would, you know, from clubs I've been at, the interaction from the youth team to the to the first team manager or, you know, head coach, whatever it's called nowadays, was, was a lot more what I, I predict to other clubs. You, you mentioned there in terms of some of the staff and so obviously Sir Alex Ferguson interaction, and we'll get into sort of your move into in that 12-13 season into the first team. But obviously we're sort of looking forward to the FA Youth Cup and obviously looking to sort of now it's the under-18s and what was it back? Now it's under-18s and under-23s. So I don't know yeah. what it was when you were there in terms of 18s and reserves. 
the type thing. But in terms of those youth players, you just have to go back and look at some of the players who came through uh, in your era. I'm just thinking if you've got any stories or players that did stand out, like obviously you would have played with the likes of Jesse Lingard, Paul Pogba, and obviously Larry and I are here on this podcast with everyone in the live chat. I'm sure United fans around the world, and we have very sort of strong feelings about Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard at the moment. Now, Larry and I are big fans yeah, of both yeah. players, but obviously very critical at times as well. And I'm just thinking as you sort of grew up with them and know them as players and people, just um, your thoughts growing up with them, playing with them on and off the pitch and sort of the current situation as well. Yeah, I can fully understand your uh, your feelings and thoughts with uh, obviously what's going on at the minute. I think, you know, away from them too, first of all, the first question you asked was who was the special, the special player was Danny Welbeck. Um, yeah. by far um, you know he was the year above me so when I first joined the youth team he was the year above but he was he was trained with the first team day in day out he was you know there, there was so many talented players but he was he was head and shoulders above the rest just in terms of skill physicality um, brain uh, mental side of the game he had everything really uh, him and Matty James I would say were the best two players when I first joined and then when I was a second year it was that you know the the last team to win the Youth Cup, Ryan Tunnicliffe, the two yeah. Keane brothers, uh, Jesse. I don't even think Jesse Lingard started in that in that Youth Cup team. I think Lionel Cole played and uh, yeah. a lad called Giliano van Velsen. Um, obviously, Pogba and Tunnicliffe in the middle of midfield was strong, powerful, had legs, uh, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and yet, you know, I mean, Jesse, as a lad, Jesse was a good kid. He was um, always um, joking about. He was the... Um, I wouldn't say he was the team joker, but he was always up to little tricks, little uh, pranks, and uh, oh, I could just still picture his, his sort of like giddy little smile. Now he, he was just an innocent, um, you know, harmless sort of kid, really. Um, and and Pogba was similar. He was just a nice, nice guy. At that, at the diff, the problem that I imagine has come over over time and years and transfer fees and is players can get egos. Uh, but obviously, at that stage that I was in the in the dressing room with them. Uh, you know, we just we were all in the youth team. You know, you didn't know then what your career was gonna, how it was gonna shape, or you, so there was no real egos. I mean, everyone believed that they were a good player, but you didn't have, you know, for example, Pogba for a, a time was the most expensive player in the world. He still is Man United's most expensive player. So, I think with that, with what he'd probably done at Juventus with winning the World Cup at France, you know, it's probably only maybe natural for him to to maybe get a bit of an ego and listen. I mean. We're not privy to what goes on at the training ground. He's fell out with Mourinho. Um, things always weren't great under Oli in, in terms of his performances and stuff like that. But um, you know, I, I can only say from what I what I seen. He, he, he was just a nice kid. He come up from France. His English was wasn't great. Um, he never really. I mean, he was obviously a very very good player. But if you'd have said to me at that time he'd be the world record transfer fee, I would have said you know no chance really. Um, and he's, he's, how he plays now is exactly how he played when I played with him in the youth team. So, conditions are unbelievable. That's something I heard. And, sort of, we always discuss, and Paul, um, Paul Scholes brings up the point in saying, "Well, the player that he is now at 29, he can still see him making the same what both positive yeah. and cons when he's 36, 37." It's funny you saying that when he's 18, he's still doing Absolutely. the same game. He's coming into 29, well, 30. Yeah. So Warren Joyce, when we we ended up progressing together through from the youth team into, into the reserves and there was a lot of the time Warren Joyce again funnily enough the, the Forest under 18s manager going up against United he would play Paul Pogba sort of tucked in off the left hand side and part of the reason probably was he didn't trust him to play in central midfield 
because he wouldn't often do the running back. He, you know, could you trust him as again the same issues that are popping up now in, in the first team and. Unfortunately, when you're playing for the biggest club in the world on a huge pitch in the biggest games, you just cannot get away with that. Um, and again, Jesse was Jesse was a bit of a late developer. He was. I remember actually playing when I was at Liverpool playing against Jesse, um, and he was the smallest player on the pitch by a mile. Um, but he was the best player on the pitch. This was you know talking sort of 12, 13, 14. Um, he stood out not for his obviously height, but his sheer skill and game intelligence was he was streets ahead. And then I think when you get to them sort of late teens, sixteen, seventeen, and you start people grow into men, he was still sort of like a young boy, Jesse. So he often played down, uh, similar to Michael Keane, who obviously has done well and had a great career as well. Um, and again, uh, Jesse didn't get into the youth team. Um, there was a lot of players or a few players that that played ahead of him. Um, obviously, have not gone on to achieve anywhere near him. But I think the manager and the staff at the club knew he, he was by far and away technically more than good enough. He just needed to grow. And obviously, they nurtured him. He had a lot of loan spells. Um, and, I, you know, the current problems now, I, I think he's... He, I remember he did have a little bit, little bit of family um, issues, possibly, at the time. And I know his brothers put out an Instagram post and stuff like that, hasn't he? And... You know, I'm not not too sure on all the idea of that, um, but again, he's he scored some big goals. He'll have a bit of an ego. He's earned a few quid. That all plays a part in it with these lads, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't. I, I personally don't. I don't know what your guys thought. Or I don't think either of them will be at the club next season. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, probably to the the delight of a lot of a lot of United fans. Yeah, I mean, I'm the Jesse Lingard one. I mean, Paul Pogba is a bit indifferent. Jesse Lingard, it's a bit sad, to be honest. I mean, this guy scored mm. a goal, a winning goal in an FA Cup final. I mean, he goes down for me in United folklore and United history. Yeah. And United were down to 10 men. Like, it should, he should be held in a high regard or a higher regard than what he's leaving. But unfortunate situations and circumstances. But bringing it back to yourself, uh, you're obviously part of the 12-13 dressing room uh you made your am i right in saying you made your appearance in the league cup against newcastle to yeah, win yeah correct yeah so so what did what was it like being in that dressing room you're surrounded by premier league winners serial winners what was that like as a young kid coming in and crucially how did that influence or what did you take from being around these champions like your Rooney's, van percy's rio ferdinand's patrice Everest, paul skulls and then you you then how does that influence the rest of your career? Um, firstly, it was it was an amazing experience because you know I grew up watching these players, especially the likes of someone like Wayne Rooney, being an Everton fan as a kid. You know, to be training with him every day and to be you know sat next to him on a bus or in a hotel having food and things like that. But very very quickly, uh, Larry, you've got to switch off from that and you've got to think. Yeah, I can't be in all of these people. And to be fair, we learned that quite quick because just as I was sort of in the reserve sort of stage where you, you get to be training with the first team a lot more, we had unbelievable role models in, in the likes of Darren Fletcher, John O'Shea, uh, Wes Brown, Darren Gibson. And they would they would speak to us and they would say, listen, you go up and train with the first team. There can be none of this, you know, oh my God, that's that's uh, Wayne Rooney or that's Berbatov or Van Pert. You've got to be at it 100% otherwise you won't be there very long and um, so you know I, I knew that from a personal point of view as much as these were unbelievable players um, a lot of it was like you say trying to learn what the, what are they doing um, and the biggest thing I've taken for that for 
my whole career, which I've tried to, you know, obviously carry with me, it was just the attitude and the mentality that every single day you had to be bang at it 100% in training and then in games, things just come naturally. The minute you start to think you can have a day off here or there, you know, when you're not the most talented and, and things like that, people like Gary Neville, John O'Shea, Dan Fetcher, the careers these guys had, because they were bang at it every single day in training. And if you, if you do that, you know, your ability and your fitness and everything will come with it. And that, that's what managers ultimately want. You know, that's why these players were trusted for so long under the under Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, not everyone can, very, very few people on the planet have the ability of a Ronaldo or a Rooney or a Messi. So for the, for the rest of us, you know, you'd have to wear your socks off every single day. And um, the, the players who do that the most, people, someone like Tom Cleverley, you know, he was a great example, two or three years above me, seeing what he would do, well back the same, you know, every day, showing, not not that they wouldn't show the players respect, but they had to go there and they were competing with them multiply. You know, so for, for me, I was competing in my head with Rio Ferdinand, who was probably the best centre-back in world football at the time, Vidic, uh, they just signed uh, Chris Small and Phil Jones for big money, Johnny Evans, in my opinion, was a top, top player. So I couldn't, I had to go over there and, and try and show the rest of the squad and these players that I belong there, you know, so that's the biggest thing I, I, I would take from that period. It's funny there you mentioned a big point there about sort of moving from the sort of 18s or reserve team into the first team set up and not being in awe. And I'd seen that that is where I would fail if I was at Manchester United. So if I'm walking into that dressing room <laughs> now, I'm going with my pen and paper to Ronaldo. Can you sign this? Bruno, can you sign yeah. this? And I think that is a, maybe Ronaldo's maybe in a different category for these young players because he's sort of transcended yeah. the game. But the dressing room you, got, you went into there, Manchester United legends, oh, left, was, right and centre. Yeah, Tom, when I first joined the club, so when I wouldn't have been with the first team much at all, but they could have had their 11 v 11 in training would have been harder than any other Premier League game. You go through that squad, it was it was incredible. You could have had Gary Neville, Wes Brown as your right backs. You could have had uh, Vidic, Ferdinand, PK, Johnny Evans uh, as your centre backs. You could have had John O'Shea, Evra as your left backs. The midfield players, you had Carrick, Hargreaves, Anderson, Giggs, Scholes. Uh, wide players, you had uh, Park Ji-sung, Nani, Ronaldo, um, you know, Darren Fletcher, I missed that. Up front, you had Tevez, Ronaldo, Rooney, Berbatov, Welbeck. You're depressing like, me, Scott. You're depressing me. Yeah, oh, I know. Sorry, oh, lads. You're depressing sorry. me. It's, it's not good for you thinking <laughs> of um, the current problems we have now. And obviously, yeah, City have just had it early in Harlan to their team. But I want to move, yeah. sort of move to the FA Youth Cup and sort of we'll mix in sort of your experiences with that and also have a bit of a look um, to yeah. the match on Thursday morning, Sydney time. Mm-hmm. I just want your sort of thoughts on what a what the FA Youth Cup meant. Like, was it mentioned differently, like sort of growing up in Carrington? Because I look at sort of American sports and like high school football or college football, mm-hmm. it's very much talked about, you know, you don't just win the league, you do you do it undefeated and you go and win state undefeated. There's these little things. I'm just thinking Manchester United is the most successful club in the FA Youth Cup. You just have to look at some of the players who won it. Obviously, we mentioned Pogba, Jesse Lingard, but obviously Duncan Edwards, George Best. No, yeah. obviously don't need to mention the class of 92. So is it mentioned something different or is it just a fixture that comes around, oh, okay, it's the cup game this week? No, it's, it's you hit the nail on the head. It's it's mentioned, it's completely different. The whole build-up to the to the week. Um, so from the from when you finish the last sort of usual under-18s league game, uh, the whole week changes. We, you start having, you're having more meetings. To be fair, we, I was very lucky in, in my time at the club. Paul McGuinness was our youth team manager. And, First of all, he was an absolutely unbelievable coach. Uh, but second of all, his, his sort of messages and his lessons on, you know, Man United, 
what the youth cup meant the fact that the, you know man united were the, the record holders the, the players that had won the youth cup we, i remember we watched the video on what the crest meant um so it was unbelievable really the preparation that that would go into it for the youth cup and we would do video analysis that again usually you would never do it was more just developments um in the usual games on a Saturday morning, the team would be rotated so everyone shared sort of minutes and everyone got the chance to, to develop and play. But when the Youth Cup came around, it was sort of like the whole the whole focus of your your week, your schedule, your training just went up a few notches and, you know, it was, it was a lot more serious. It was almost as if, of course, everyone wants to win when you're playing, but it was, you know, the, you're in the youth team to develop and learn and learn your trade and, and make your way in the game, whereas... When it comes down to the youth cup, the the, the importance of winning was was certainly um, you know made known to us. Can I ask you on on the current? You look at the the current game on Thursday morning our time, sixty thousand seats sold. Yeah, I mean, when you that's the thing. I just I'm wondering from your perspective as a as a former youth player, could you ever imagine that United's fan base would buy into the the youth side this way and? Can I just ask you, I guess I'll tie it into to the fan base in general. You've obviously played for a lot of clubs in England. Uh, you, you played for Leeds, obviously a well-renowned, pa- passionate fan base as well. Is there? I know it's almost lazy to say United fans are the best in the town, but is there another fan base that you've seen buy into the youth the way Manchester United fans do? No, not one bit because it's in it's in the history of the club, isn't it? You know, it's part of the DNA. All the successful Man United teams, like you say, going back to the Busby Babes, Duncan Edwards, um, you know, people like that, to the Class of '92 and, and the the era that they had being so successful. Um, I think there was a start I seen maybe last season that Man United had had an academy player in the matchday squad for like decades and like hundreds and hundreds of Premier League games, where no, you know, no one else was anywhere near that. So it's it's part of the club, it's part of the DNA. Uh, there was the what crowds weren't like that. What you know when I was there, even I think the year below me that won the youth cup. But I think, I think a big thing of it is you know you, you've we've had a little laugh and a joke there about the current problems in the first team. I think that because it is such a part of the football club, I think it's given, it's arguably the most positive part of the season that. You know when United have got to the youth cup final with the history like. Well, you know, that's playing, a question. I'll throw to you as well, Scott, but I just want to throw to Larry here and sort of Rob brings up in the comments. Apologies not getting to all the comments, but if you do have any questions um, right at the end, um, leave them in the comments and we'll ask Scott if we're um, not short of time. But a question here from Rob or a statement. Youth is a big part of history, but this final is all we have left to enjoy the season. So, Larry, now obviously the tickets are £1. And obviously goes the proceeds go to the Man United Foundation. So obviously 50,000 tickets at only a pound. I'm sure it wouldn't be the case if they were £50 a ticket. But do you think the interest in in this final is off the back of what we're seeing in the first team? Do you think if we were just having a good season and finishing first or second, obviously there would be an interest, but not this clamour because I think we have this probably desire, probably even a demand for these youth players to be involved in the next week against Crystal Palace. So do you think the interest is off, unfortunately, the disappointment that we've seen in the first team? Oh, it'd have to be. I mean, Scott hit the nail on the head, but I guess I would look at it in a positive and then I guess I'd bring it back to Scott. If you were one of those kids who's getting this opportunity to play in front of 60,000 people at Old Trafford, there's one final game left in the league season. You have to think. You're treating it like a trial almost. If I impress, maybe I get an opportunity to make my first team debut or the likes of uh, Alejandro Ganacho looking to potentially get a start against Crystal Palace. It's such a massive opportunity. 
yeah, absolutely. You know, I couldn't imagine what them boys are, are feeling now. You know, they probably never played anywhere even close to to six thousand. Never mind sixty odd thousand, really. Yeah. Uh, cause they're, only because they're, they're so young, and, and I know what it's like at the MU team games. You you play at training grounds, um, even at the reserve games. You play at you know small non-league grounds. Back when I played, so to be playing at Old Trafford in front of sixty thousand, basically almost full, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure they'll be nervous and. And like you say, going but it'll be like a try. You know, there's one game left. It's been such a disappointing season, um, and that would, you know that was another thing about the youth cup. You, you, you'd be coming in from the warm up, and you could just see the whole staff at the club were there. You know, like I say, going back to your Saturday morning youth team games. You know, you'd get the manager there sometimes, but the youth cup, you would get the head scout, the manager, the assistant manager, the first team coach. Uh, the reserve manager, the reserve, all, ev- all the staff, the, all the scouts, everyone would be there, and it just give it that that bigger feeling of, of of it being a bigger game, and you know, for the fans to, to go in the numbers is incredible, really, uh, for for the youth cup final. I tell you, who should be there, Larry? The first team should be there, in my opinion. Uh, I think one is a visual for, for the players. Will give I think the 18s will give them a boost, but also I think they need to sort of be sort of reminded a little bit. But on that, in regards to those players, Larry. Um, obviously, Alejandro Ganacho is obviously still on a lot of the headlines at the moment um, in regards to he's on the fringe of the first team. Alvaro Fernandez, I just realised, he's 19 years old, so he's not actually eligible for this. I thought he was still 18, but he's not going to make the team. So you've obviously got Charlie McNeil as well. Is there anyone sort of standing out that you sort of got your eye on um, ahead of the match? Yeah, there's one midfielder, um, Mainu, I believe is how you pronounce the surname. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I've seen a compilation of him. He's, Mate, he is, he is good. He is good. Mm. Very technically sound. I've seen the comparisons with Paul Pogba. I think it's a little bit lazy. He's He's got some graft in him. I think he's got a bit of Ander Herrera in him, to be honest. He's a bit shithousery. He's happy to kick people. But he's got the brilliance about him. He's got the technical ability. And I think, I mean, Scott, maybe it's different for you because you're a defender. But I imagine if if you're a player who's got an ability, who's got some flair about them, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want you doing bicycle kicks like Eric Bailly does. Jesus Christ, <laughs> heart, heart attacks. But if you're someone with the ability who's got a, a brilliant long range of passing or the ability to go past someone, you've got to think 60,000 fans, get them on the edge of their seat. Get them on the edge of their seat early. And that's why I think it's such a good opportunity for these young kids. Because, And that's a perfect baptism into the first team. Just to say you've already played in front of such a massive crowd at Old Trafford, what an opportunity it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure the staff there, you know, Travis Binion will be re- reminding his players, you know, just go and play the game, try not to play the kick, not let it get to you. And like you just said, do what you're good at. If you're, you know, a, a midfield playmaker, then go out and, and really get a grip of the game. If you're a flying winger, you, you've got to go out and be positive, get, like you say, get the crowd on the seat, off the off the seats and, and just go and do what's got them there. I think they're clear, massive favourites, I think. Um, I think they've had some good investments into that squad. There's obviously a few foreign boys there that you know costed a bit of money. There's a young Norwegian player, uh, Isaac Hansen. Uh, I've seen a couple of times. I think he's a really good player. I think he could he could he could um, he could do really well at the club. So yeah, I think they'll be massive favourites. I think it'll be, hopefully you know they come with it in style. Uh, I know and I know firsthand that Warren Joyce have his team fired up as well. I played for Warren many a times. Um, so you know it won't be easy. But um, you know, hopefully, you know, like we just touched on there, they can give the club a bit of positivity, and hopefully, some of these young players, you know, this is just the start of their journey now, really, in the youth team and the youth cup. Um, hopefully, they can keep progressing. They're obviously a talented bunch and get through to the first team. 
No, definitely. I just want to wrap up just with one final question before we do wrap up, Scott. But just now yep. tell me if this is a good memory or bad memory. Um, of you. And it's my first memory of you um, thinking back. I know what's going to come now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good memory. Lifting the trophy. Now, what was it? Was the, re, the Reserve League? Was it Reserve League North? Yeah. From reserve memory? League. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell your listeners to it? Because I, I must remember it's IWTV TV back in the day. And um, I was yeah. a keen watcher because similar age, only a few years younger than me. So I was always keeping an eye out for the youth team. And I'm yeah. obviously a proud moment lifting the trophy. And then um, it all went south. <laughs> yeah. No, it was in a. It must have been a really old battered trophy. Yeah. Um, you know what? It was? You know when you always see people lift the trophies now, and they've got no lids on them, and it it goes like really high above their heads, doesn't it? And I just must have been thinking, you know, I think we'd be Arsenal or City in in the final. Uh, Fletcher was Dan and Fletcher was playing, and obviously I was the captain. Okay. So you go up to lift the cup, really proud moments, and um, you know, all the, everyone's there, the manager, all the players, all the staff, and then this had this stupid little lid with. Um, with like a point on the top of it, yeah, I, no, that's how you are. Yeah, it didn't it didn't half uh, leave me a big bruise <laughs> on the top of my head? I tell you, big lump. Uh, but now it's uh, I've been a lot of people have shown me it on YouTube over the years. Anyway, Tom, it's, oh, it's on you. Yeah. Well, if it is on YouTube, um, make sure you go and um, watch it. Just like <laughs> Scott Whitten trophy drop or something. But just yeah, one question yeah, here before yeah. I wrap up with Larry. Just a question for one of our mates, Adrian, and obviously we'll maybe bring it back to the A League. Sort of era. Um, hi, Scott. Can you hear your thoughts on the quality of the A-League and how the A-League can convert diehard Premier League fans so that they also support their local professional league? And I think that's a good one, especially from Larry and my point of view in terms of we're so heavily invested in Manchester United. It's our life and we love live and breathe football. The A-League, we, we've struggled over the years to get behind. Yeah. And I don't know if that's in terms of the quality of the Premier League when we've been sort of spoilt by that. And when we go to the A-League, it's not quite the same. But obviously in our experience in both football in England and Australia... Both sort of on and off the pitch. Um, just your thoughts in regards to that question from Adrian. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good question. Um, I think it's it's obviously never going to compete for with the Premier League. You know, the Premier League has has been and always probably will be the biggest and best league in the world in terms of finances, what it can attract, um, the passion of the English fans, football being basically the number one, two, three, four sports in, in England. The winners. Obviously, in Australia, you've got probably rugby, um, rugby league, AFL, cricket. Uh, you know, from what I can see and speaking to people, seem to be more popular. Um, I think the quality of the A League for me is is a good league. Obviously, it can't compete with the Premier League. Um, I, c- I can understand from uh, fans who, who, like yourselves, who are diehard Man United fans, and I'm sure there's, there's other diehard fans of other clubs. Um, it'll struggle to compete for quality, but I, I think for entertainment, I, I think it's brilliant. You know, big teams beat everyone can beat everyone. Um, there's a few things that I would change in terms of a, a format type of point of view. Um, you know, I don't agree that certain teams play certain teams three times, and, and the fairness of it that that for me needs to change. There needs to be a way around that. Um, I think there can be more teams for the size of the country. You know. Uh, Auckland could get a team, Canberra could get a team, um, and maybe have instead of playing certain teams three times, you know, play home and everyone just play home and away twice. Um, I think they need to do more in terms of promoting it, uh, marketing, social media, um, all that type of stuff can be can be improved. Um, half-time interviews and things like that need to be need to be scrapped. I don't know if you've watched the games; that's a bit of a strange one. 
Uh, listen, there can be improvements. I think it's difficult to compare to the Premier League because, like I said, the Premier League is the best league in the world. It probably always will be competing with Spain, uh, while Real Madrid and Barcelona are still the, the big forces. Um, just for money and, and the, the passion of English people, it's, it's, it's the number one sport by far, whereas obviously Australia, you know, it, it isn't, and, and that will always be a struggle. Um, but I think for entertainment and... and um, and things like that, I, you know, I think it's a good league to watch. Uh, Scott, I just just to tie into that, and it's last question, but I'm just really curious because you you obviously did come through the English youth system setup. Um, so mm-hmm. in Australia, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but for a player to play representative football, parents are having to fork out fifteen hundred yeah. to two thousand dollars and beyond a year. Yeah, and I just I'm really keen to know what was the setup in England because I can't like it just. It seems mad to me that, in like you said, in a country where football is not number one, you have to give talented kids an opportunity to yeah. be able to make it to the top, irrespective of their financial background. Yeah, no, I I, I only found this out maybe about two weeks ago um, because I, I couldn't believe it. I was having a chat with a, with our manager, um, you know, Ofu Talai, and he was we were speaking more about New Zealand and the the coaching and obviously with my team being the only team based in New Zealand and. He obviously he's worked in the Australian national setup uh, under 17s and under 20s, and I can't remember how he got onto it, but he just said that the, it would exactly what he just said. It cost the parents money to send the kids to these academies, and I, I couldn't believe it because it's just not like that at all in England. So in England, again, probably due to with due to money and what they can these kids can can be sold on for that the academy and the youth setups, the coaches are obviously just paid out out the budget to the club, whereas. You know, my manager was making pretty clear to me that the money that the parents pay pays for the coaches. So there's no real big investments from the individual clubs and from the APL to to put money into the youth of, of the of the football and develop these players and these kids. And I, I completely agree. So my my first response was: so you could have a player who's got all the talent and the ability, physical ability, natural football brain, but if his mum and dad aren't rich. How's he ever going to get a chance? And it's something that needs to be, like I say, I only found out a couple of weeks ago, but it's something that needs to be addressed because, you know, there's, from what I've experienced so far, there is some, there's a lot of good talent here. And if it's nurtured a bit more and developed and pushed, you know, there's, it can be, it can be a successful country for football for sure. No, very well said, very well said. And look, it's been a pleasure to have you on for half an hour. So we'll just quickly wrap up just a few in the live chat. Appreciate all the kind words, Josh Top Pod. And Rob, what's an ab- what an absolute top podcast, guys. Thank you all. And I appreciate all that. And um, again, our big thank you um, to Scott Wooten for joining us. Um, obviously, the A-League question there at the end. Obviously, Larry, he chops and changes between Sports Sydney FC one week, well in um, Western Sydney Wonders the next week. So I'm sure now... I'm sure we'll be um, support Wellington Phoenix for the finals. When does the final start yeah. daily? So we, we play Western United uh, on Saturday, uh, 7.45 at Amy Park. And then hopefully, if we can get through that game, we'll have a, a double header. We'll have the first leg in Wellington of the semi-finals and the return leg back at Amy Park against Melbourne Victory or Melbourne City. So, And we've been based in Sydney uh, all mm. season. So you, at least you can have to, we, can, we can be the Sydney team that you support for the, for the finals. Mate, please, no. <laughs> we need to get you a beer. Like, seriously, whenever you're around, if you've got a spare day, come find – Come, you got nothing better to do. Come spend it with me and Tom. Let us yeah, treat you. Sounds good. Sounds good to me.
Well, that is obviously. We'll see how long you are in Sydney, and we'll maybe cheer someone yeah. up. Obviously, the Man United Supporters Club here. Obviously, good that you are still following United so closely, and I'm sure oh, all yeah. our members um, members would love to sort of meet you and just sort of pick your brain a little bit. Because for podcasts like this, it's an absolute honour and pleasure to have someone who's been there and done it, and um, absolutely loved it, loved every minute of it, didn't we, Larry? Oh yeah, belting podcast, uh, and I just I love the insight you've provided i think it's really easy for you you know if someone's in your position to give generic blanket answers you've given us really good insight i particularly uh, enjoyed your insight um on jesse lingard uh, coming yeah. through and some of the challenges he faced with his size and so yeah and, and paul pogba i mean it's so interesting that you say he's the same player um all yeah. these years later so there you go i, I think well I'll probably you know going back to pogba I, I think he looked great for juventus because he he would just sort of had the free reins. He had the likes of someone like Pirlo and Marquisio, I think, who were, you know, top Italian internationals sat behind him. Whereas he comes to United for that huge figure and it was almost like, right, if you're a world record fee, you've got to be the man who defends, attacks, runs forward, runs back, dictates play. You've got to do everything. And, you know, that just wasn't wasn't his game. And, you know, whether it's, I don't know, who scouted him or, or what, but, you know, even even the club should have made a decision that the fact that they let him go for free to then buy him back for the world record fee at the time it just shows where the club upstairs has, has obviously gone wrong over the years and you know let's and let's he's going for free him. again yeah. exactly <laughs> tune in next week when we like, <laughs> when we see him lose for free unbelievable so yeah no, unfortunately it does sum up the times but um make sure you are subscribed to um so you find out first when Paul Pogba leaves for free we'll be covering it definitely Larry unfortunately and um yeah we'll see unfortunately obviously I'm still burned about that news that Erling Haaland is going to the other side and um who, who do you think will be sort of in the deadline day tug of war Larry um in August Jamie Vardy and Josh King yeah why not <laughs> probably <laughs> But it has been an absolute pleasure, Scott. I know everyone in the live chat is no. very grateful. And um, if you did enjoy the video, please do leave a like on the video. Um, make sure you go and sort of give Wellington a little bit of support this week. And um, make sure you subscribe if you are new. And, um, Scott, pleasure as always, mate. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank right, you. Cheers, mate. And, Larry, as cheers, always, mates. we'll be back. We'll do a review um, when Man United lift the FA Youth Cup. So we'll be back on Thursday night. Cheers, lads. Enjoy. Cheers.